Hi, welcome back to Reselect. This is Dave Gershman. Thanks for coming back again for another episode of our always scintillating music discussion. If you happen to hear a rooster crowing in the background, we don't actually own any chickens. It's our neighbor's freaking bird. Comes over to your yard sometimes and crows. Lots of fun. Have to chase him out. I mean, you know, nothing wrong with chickens and all, but he's got his own yard to crow in. So this episode, we're talking about Big Star, number one record, somewhat ironically titled, I believe, or maybe wishful thinking, whatever the case may have been. But Sarah, Eric, and I have a uh, an interesting discussion about this. I'll tell you right now, I I love the album. I have for a long time, but this was a uh, kind of a new, new listen for Sarah and Eric. Uh, I don't know if Eric had even heard of Big Star before this, but Sarah had, but had never, you know, given it a listen. So uh, you'll you'll hear very soon how our opinions, where our opinions fall on the subject. Oh yeah, I was saying uh, that you will hear one more artist overview in a, a few episodes from now. Uh, I won't give it away. Keep the uh, suspense, you know. And you can uh, tune in for that in a few weeks. Meanwhile, I've got a few albums coming up. Uh, and then after that artist, that last artist one, I believe it's, yeah, the last one we do, then we're turning our attention just to albums from here on out. Um, we would love to hear from you guys. If you uh, have comments, uh, please leave them in the comment section of our podcast, wherever you might listen to it. If you want to be absolutely sure that I get them, uh, go to our uh, website, uh, reselectmusic.com, and uh, leave them in the podcast comments there, because uh, that will definitely get back to us. If you have suggestions for future um, albums to listen to, please do leave them. We would love to uh, accommodate some of those. That's it, and I'll let you move along here to uh, to our discussion. Um, buckle up; it's an interesting one. Go ahead and uh, take a gander, take a listen, take a. What else do you do? What do you take? What do you take a take a peek and um, enjoy. <laughs> So the replacements Damn it's just it. that movie right no it's the band the replacements tell me about them briefly uh they're from minneapolis big uh college band in the 80s kind of run not raunchy uh rough very rough edged but really good songwriting like um, a garage band yeah kind of only in the fact that it, they mostly couldn't play their instruments at first and they hmm. they were pretty rough but they uh paul westerberg is the lead singer and songwriter they were one one of the biggest. One I of mean, the most how big re- could they have been if I've never heard any other music before? You might have heard something. Like but what? What are the, what, the, what are their hits? Trust me, they're hugely influential. Oh, oh, they were. They were. Oh, I have to trust you, but you, trust you can't me. name any of their hits. Uh, Alex Chilton was one of their biggest songs, and I've never heard of it. Okay, well, I'll see. You don't know a lot, apparently. <laughs> oh, I see. No, sorry, I was just kidding. Mm, that's okay. You get your shots off while um, you can. <laughs> well, you can. Uh, I Will Dare. That's their, that was a classic song. Great, great. I'm song. shrugging my shoulders. Yeah. 
Yeah. People can't see that. Right. I think the lack of you. Yeah. Well, anyway, they they were a great band. Kind of Rolling Stones influenced, uh, but very very rough, mm. rough sense. Mm. Uh, we but might, we're not talking about. No, them, we're right? not. But uh, so Alex Chilton was one of their songs because uh, Big Star was a very influential band in the same kind of way that Velvet Underground was uh, very influential. They did not sell many records. Big Star um, is as influential as Velvet Underground. This uh, is your thesis at the beginning of is your hypothesis at the beginning. I said of our much talk? in the same way. Yes, ah. it uh, and, and I think in a different area of music they are. Yes, hmm. uh, they were. They they kind of led to. The whole power pop genre is mm. kind of uh, instigated by by their albums, mm. and um, a lot of the bands from the like REM has mm. credited pretty much like Big Star with getting them interested in being a band. Mm. And great, <clears throat> what a service <clears throat> they've done to the world! Oh my God, you're not dissing <laughs> REM, right? Yeah. <laughs> Quite comfortably, without <laughs> even a twinge. You don't know REM, apparently. Oh, that's what it is. I didn't grow <laughs> up. I didn't go to high school in the '90s. You're right. What is REM? It's just like the replacements. I don't even know what it is. Of course, I know who REM is. I've heard plenty of their music. You and you know what? Don't care for it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, anyway, yeah, they they uh, indie rock in large part. Uh, there's a, there's a there's an arc that leads through big stars influence on a lot of the bands of the eighties that, uh, at the time it was not referred to as indie rock. It was in the eighties. It was college rock, mm. new music and so on. Yeah. But anyway, what became indie rock in the nineties, uh, was influenced by bands like REM and, uh, a lot of other great underground kind of bands in the eighties that, and like I said, Big Star was a big influence on a lot of those bands. Whereas Velvet Underground is more directly influencing the punk aspect of things and kind of the darker Nick Cave sort of stuff. You know? and so it's one of those things where you know that whole thing about only X number of people saw Velvet Underground. But every Underground, single yeah. one of them but started everybody. a band. Yeah. yeah. That's, so that's, you're, that's, that's the way Big Star is. They, mm-hmm. they actually, their album, number one record, which... Uh, this is the one we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. Came out in '72. It came out on the Stax label initially, mm-hmm. and Stax was already a label in decline, and they unfortunately just did not distribute the record at all. So the uh, the record got all these great critical reviews, but it wasn't yeah, in the stores because anywhere. All those critics went to. Did the album come out before or after the first annual Rock Writers Convention? Um, yeah, there's some tie-in to that. Uh, I forget. I think it came out around the same time. But anyway, well, Stax couldn't fulfill orders at all. They Their distribution side of things was completely collapsed. So the record only sold 10,000 records, and they didn't get played on the radio because there was no label support for it. So it was one of those things, a kind of a tragic mishandling hmm. of the band. So not because there was an appeal for them, but it just no, wasn't available. Think, no. Distribution wasn't available. Yeah, I don't know, man. How, how does how does this tie into your comment about the first annual? So there was um, there was this thing organized as what it seems to be mostly like a publicity stunt. By there was something that their manager, I think, tried to get. He thought it'd be a great idea, and so yeah, he he distributed it at the 
right, so writers they, conference. They played. It was the first. <clears throat> this was billed as like the first an, um, annual National Association of Rock Writers convention, and it was basically it was in 1973, and it was held in Memphis, and like over a hundred of the like leading rock music critics, like all the people from Rolling Stone and Cream Magazine and Lester Bang and blah, blah, blah. They all got flown in ostensibly to like unionize and get together. And then Big Star played, played for them. Mm. Right. And they all lost their minds over it, which I don't know. I just, (laughs) I just think was just like a bunch of people who were used to being completely isolated and were together all with their peers for the first time ever and were wasted and had a summer camp experience and then heard this band and were like, this band is the most amazing thing and we get to say <laughs> oh, they are because we we're rock critics and we decide what's cool. And I think it's uh, overblown. I think this album is vastly overrated. Wow. And I did not enjoy listening to it. Oh my God. And I can't believe that people lose their minds over it and no one talks about India song which is the most horrific thing I've one of the worst songs I've ever heard. <laughs> it was the one Come. written and sung by the drummer. Ugh. So if that means anything it's to you. It's just terrible. I did not like this record at all. Wow. I found it insufferable. Right. I just picture dudes playing the tambourine so emotionally and I just like the emotional writing is so flat. It's just like a bunch of guys being like, "Hey everyone, I have feelings." Okay? Feelings. Did you hear me? I said feelings. Okay, so what are those feelings? <laughs> feelings. I have them. I'm sad sometimes. Really? Oh, <laughs> it's just oh. That is a stunning. I wish our response to this. Listeners I, could I, see the theatrics over well, here. I, 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 I think it came through. I, you I know what else came out in 1972? Let's take. Let's real talk for a second. You know what other records came out in 1972? What? Ziggy Stardust. Yes. Elton John Honky Chateau, which had Rocket Man on it. Okay. Neil Young Harvest. Okay. That's what other people were doing in 72. And these guys who like grew up like, hey, dad, I want a guitar. Okay, here. Hey, dad, I'm at private school. I'm kind of sad. I'm going to go write this record. Like, it's just. <laughs> well, Alex Chilton was so already a pop star. Lame. Yeah. I mean, his voice is pretty amazing when he's not doing that terrible screamy thing he does in like 10 of the songs in this record. That's not him. That's Chris Bell. Oh, well, whatever. Lame. How many times did you listen to the album? Enough. Not not as many as Dave. How? No, I don't care. I How listened many? to it a bunch of times. Okay. And I watched a stupid documentary. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> and that didn't even... No. Like... I resent the $4 I spent to rent it. Wow. Uh, I, I'm kind of shocked at this, I have to be honest. But, so Alex Chilton was with the Box Tops in yeah. the 60s and sang and that The Letter. Hit that, that was a great song. The Letter, which is a fantastic song. And he sounds song. great in that song. That's he was 16 years song. old when he sang that yeah, song. Yeah, it's awesome. And he sounded like Yeah, he sounded older. great. That's a cool song. You should yeah. play it. Because <laughs> it's way better than the rest of it, than this record is. Ugh. Hanging out. Ugh. And you know what else I have a problem with? <laughs> oh, please do tell so <laughs> much cowbell just <laughs> just stop <laughs> so this is the box stuff this is cool listen to his voice it's great this is a great song so I think for this record he put on a voice sure that is not really his regular singing voice got to get back to my baby 
It's so sparse. Yeah, it's a classic song. I mean, it's yeah, such it's a, a great, great song. song. Yeah. All right. So that came out, I think, in like 68 or so. And, um, <coughs> so he had a few years after that. He didn't like the pop touring and all that. And I think it got to him. He just wanted to. Yeah, success is hard. You know, there are a lot of people you like who feel the same way. So you can't criticize them. I'm not talking about them right now. I'm just talking about him. <laughs> so uh, he, and, uh, he formed this band with Chris Bell. They're the two main songwriters. And we have... Uh, Andy Hummel, who wrote the India song, which is also oh, my probably my least favorite song so in the record. Much flute. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that's like recorder. I think oh. it might be. Um, I want to go to a wet So I think this is one of the best albums of all time. Mm. Here is what I had to say about it in my reselect write up that I once did in 2011. I wrote about the song. Oh, it was about Give Me Another Chance. If, if you don't mind my, my reading some of this. No, go my, ahead. My, my piece here. I might say some of It might say my, my feelings on this more than I can try to like argue at you. <laughs> By the way, Eric, did you like this album more than Sarah? <laughs> you haven't said much yet. I, 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 I didn't dislike it. Good. Much. Oh, so we have a neutral like and a nay yeah. and an exuberant. Okay, yes. so... Much has been written about Big Star and their influence on many later bands, such as Cheap Trick, R.E.M., The Replacements, Teenage Fan Club, The Lemonheads, and The D.B.s, <coughs> and turned much of indie rock, despite never having been commercially successful themselves when their albums were released in the early 70s. But when you listen closely to their albums and consider the other music coming out at the time, it becomes very evident of what made them unique. They threw out all that was happening with the growing bombast of much of 70s rock and stripped it back down to the core elements of what makes a great song, practically inventing the power pop, power pop genre in the process. Clearly Beatles' influence, they were an even blend of Paul McCartney's melodicism and John Lennon's edge, but moved that in a new direction, finding a, new way, finding a way to blend in a very subtle southern soul influence, which isn't too surprising given that singer-guitarist singer, Alex Chilton and Chris Bell grew up in Memphis. And Chilton was lead singer for the blue-eyed soul group, The Box Tops, best known for their hit, The Letter, when he was just 16. The Box Tops, box tops were produced by Don, uh, Dan Penn, Spooner Oldham, and Chips Momin, legendary for writing and producing many of the great soul hits of the 60s. And they clearly influenced Chilton's songwriting. I've always had trouble reconciling Chilton's big, soulful voice with The Box Tops, with his fragile, higher-pitched vocals that he used with Big Star. I'm inclined to believe that his Big Star voice was his real singing voice and that he was merely doing his best imitation of the great 60s soul singers with the box tops. Ditching that voice okay. was probably necessary to connecting emotionally with the songs he wrote with Big Star. In my mind, add the emphasis <clears throat> for you, in my mind, Big Star's debut album, 1972, somewhat ironically titled number one record, is one of the greatest albums in all of rock. Put it up alongside any Beatles album, and it would hold its own. No. And those of you who know how big a Beatles fan I am know no. that I wouldn't say that lightly. Oh, my God, no. There's an amazing range of electricity and beauty on number one record, from hard-edge rockers to quieter acoustic songs that seem impossibly gorgeous. I don't know what their songwriting process was, but Chilton and Bell somehow managed to combine their talents in wondrous ways. Among the most beautiful of them, and there is some strong competition, is Give Me Another Chance. The song is moving for its music as for its lyrics. Ugh. This is one of those songs that when listened to in the isolation Sorry. of headphones... Earbuds will do. Will stun you and break your heart all in one go before you even know what hit you. Please. 
that song starts out by saying, you feel sad because I got mad. That is the worst. If I was having a fight with a partner and his response was, you're sad because I got mad. That is the weakest ass like, like answer to a, a, a shitty thing someone did. Uh, he goes on to I know, apologize and he for doesn't other make things, it better. Like not being a good guy. I mean, I don't know. know. It's just like, and there's also a really weak lyric in there where he says, I've been looking, how does he say it? I've been looking for to find. Yes. Ugh, he, does, a, he does a lot of that. Well, that is some lazy. I would, I would agree that some of his songwriting, some of his lyric songwriting is not the most sophisticated, but let's keep in mind, he was like 21 when he was writing this stuff. So what? The Beatles like were, they weren't writing the good stuff when they were 21. Their good stuff is, their early stuff is Not when they were, no, when they were 21, they weren't even, you can drive my car, beep, 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 beep. That was not 21. I'm telling you right now, that was like, I'd rather listen to that than this. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I do like the Beatles yeah. better than like, Big Star, of course. I'm, but I'm 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 vamping a little bit here, like I know for are. fun. But I honestly mean this. Like, I think that's a terrible lyric. Like the second, like it's a it's a lovely sounding song. Give me another chance. But that opening line, like I hear such blindness in these lyrics. Blindness. Blindness. I just I I hear a person with such tunnel vision. Someone who is who is thinking that they're emoting and thinking that they're being deep, but they're so unaware of other people. Hmm. Like the, the relationship messages in these songs and communications in these songs are just like, he doesn't, he's not talking to a real person he wants to connect to. Sure. He's writing a song. He's, (laughs) he talks about partners, romantic partners, like they're props for him. No, that's how that's it comes typical. across to me in this I, song maybe i don't know but I, th- I i think you verbalize something that i was thinking about better than I, better than i could have it all sounded kind of cliche like they heard a meme and let's write a song about that meme sort of thing there were no memes in 1972 well, it just it sounds really it sounds really shallow to me like the the depth of i don't feel the depth of emotion that's in it. And, and, and like 13, the second that song started. That song's amazing. It's beautiful. But then, but then his lyrics, tell your dad to get off my right. back. I tell love, him what you said about paint it black. I hate songs I, where guys talk to girls and are like, tell your dad this thing. He is writing it from the perspective of a 13-year-old. And he, I think he does an amazing job of portraying the innocence of young love and exactly the way that young teens would be expressing that kind of thing to their I mean it's not sophisticated but then again neither 13 year olds I mean it's yeah I, I, I think he does I just, a I just great I just, love that song I don't buy it that is one of the the whole record I just yeah. don't don't buy it well let's let's listen to it a sure bit. we can listen to whatever yeah. 13 is a beautiful song it is well let's play that one to begin with. yeah, yeah. Was this the one you played it? No. Won't you let me meet you at the pool? And this part. Maybe Friday I can just the switch key. It's beautiful. I even like his voice in this. Yeah, his voice is right. In the softer ones. Won't you tell? 
That's exactly the kind of level of sophistication of love that that teens would have. That's yeah, and exactly, I think and that I, level of sophistication is evident in the rest of these songs. No, I feel like I, the emotional level of all of no. these songs is that that level. It's not sophisticated. It, the, he may not use a lot of big words. It's not about his, death, his words. It's about the way they work together. It's about the phrasing. It's about the sentiment behind it. Like it's just all of these songs. They're so like. The, the emotion is just so like skimming the surface like but this song is just lovely it sounds great in headphones that's for sure it's like you hear this guitar right to the side of your head I mean the other thing like for me I'll be clear like I feel like this genre of music, I would call it like armchair rock. Like it's like the kind of music you sit in a lazy boy with a big pair of headphones and you're like, yeah. <laughs> and and I I like stuff that's calming and chill and laid back, but Well, but they have a pretty broad mix on here. Yeah, but even have. the even the like more raucous songs are still yeah. that genre to me. They're still not like you're not gonna get up and like kick over a can. You're just going to be like, yeah, man, yeah, <laughs> in this like weird. It's so funny. I, I, don't, I don't get that at all. No. This, no. 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 I what mean, is it I, I think I think like seeing them live playing those rocking songs, you're probably just rocking out. I mean, just nobody's like, damn, they're like, like stoned. And like, they, that's the impression I'm getting from you here is that mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, like stoner stoned. rock or something. It's like, that, I don't know. Yeah. No. I mean, Alex Chilton, if you know, you don't. But I mean, he, he's such a, he, he's such an odd character. He's, I mean, he literally just kind of went a little off the deep end in the eighties. And, uh, he's got these bizarre solo albums that he, <laughs> it's really hard to describe. He just, he just got really weird. And I think he was always a little strange. And I think this is his most level headed period before he, whatever happened to him happened. Uh, it might be some chemical influenced stuff drugs or in his brain or, or he whatever was, but. i think i mean I, I think that he was he had some suicide episodes suicidal mm. episodes when he was younger right i think so chris bell so did too that he, definitely chris, that definitely yeah. indicates like a, a mental chemical yeah. imbalance right and uh chris bell i co-wrote most i mean all these songs are except for the india song were credited to bell and chilton together uh, and i don't know how they so many flutes wrote together <laughs> Let's play the end of song, uh, India song, because she hates it so much. Uh, uh, and a harpsichord. You know how I feel about that. Uh, no, there's no harpsichord. I kept associating a lot of these songs with other artists. Like this has a kind of a Cat Stevens sort of sound to it. Yeah. And all throughout these, I found other artists that were similar. Yeah, it's definitely a goofy song. I, I, I don't get a whole lot. I think it's got some beautiful guitars. That's that's the guitars sound great. The, the, the recorder or flute, or whatever, is a little, little much. And the singing is also a bit cheesy. So. And the and the the kind of idea of like these kids from it's Memphis, like going to a foreign, yet completely colonized in their representation of it place. It's a little. They were probably it's a little, a little cringeworthy little, today. Sure, and they, they also <laughs> might, if you give them a little credit for maybe not having been that experienced in the world. Uh, what's available out there? This is their idea of a something somewhat exotic, someone for, somewhat foreign. It's yeah. an exotic thing, you know. Well, and at this point, the Beatles had been to the Maharishi at this point, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Was that who they went to see, or is that yeah. from the Indian Maharishi Yoga Yogi? So then there's uh, some of the more rocking stuff I, I love also, like Feel, the one that starts this. I think I only got room for one rubber plant in my life. <laughs> Is that what your notes say? <laughs> That's right. He does not. Uh, it, it, get, it gets a little screechy, I agree. I, 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 right there are here. times when I wish it would turn, tune it down just a little bit. There's like five songs in this record that sound, start with that exact vocal kind of sound. They don't, it's start, like the they don't start that way. He gets there in some of them, but... Like, yeah. in the street, that has that though. I'll tell you what I can hear in this, though, is Jeff Tweedy. Like, crazy. Oh, he was... Like, 150 he, Well, you saw... You said you saw the, the movie, so you saw him in there, right? I think he's interviewed in somewhere. Yeah, he was heavily influenced by them. Yeah, it's very clear. That's... There's a straight line from them to Wilco. Yeah. Right there. Like their harmonies too. I I think they have fantastic harmonies. Yeah, and, they have and, harmony. And one thing I read, Chris Bell uh, apparently had a, like, a quote unquote brilliant mind for harmonies. He could just hear whatever Alex Chilton was singing and just sing like the pentatonic third or whatever. Some I forget they, how they describe, but like this. And, not a harmony you'd necessarily expect, you know, like something that's a little different, a little off the... I don't even mind that sax, which I don't always like saxes. And, it's, uh, yeah, I, bearing the horns like that is not a thing I'm into. Um, in the Street, as you probably yeah. knew or read, was the theme song to that 70s show. Oh, uh, that's where it was from. Yeah, but not their version I of it. It was, kept, it was yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. they had rights to it or something, so it was re-recorded by Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick did it, and... Yeah. Uh, Oh, this is the song with the cowbell in it. Yeah, there's a lot of cowbell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Although Blue Oyster Call takes the cake for cowbells, I think. But... Maybe I just hate power pop. Maybe that's what's happening for that's, me. That's yeah. I, I well, I I don't know. Maybe so this is the. Th- there is a lot. I mean, power pop isn't just all the same. You know, obviously you you. Some of it sounds like this, and maybe you wouldn't like that. But um, so I, I think um, some of their other "Don't Lie to Me" is one of my favorite. Actually, "Don't Lie to Me." I think it's so it's so energetic that there's this part in the song where they just like they're like singing like different lead lines together, and instead of harmonizing, they have two different uh, vocal lines going on that clash at one point in the song. Mm. And I think it's just like this, I know it just lends itself to this whole, uh, having a great time, like enthusiastic rocking out there, just, uh, want to get it all out there. I mean, I, I, I think it was not an ac- accident necessarily. I think they probably sang it that way, but I think this is the, what I felt when I was jotting down some notes about this was that this is the kind of song that, uh, Paul McCartney often aimed to do as a solo artist with wings. McCartney has this way of writing rockers that sound very pretend, yeah, I'm not talking about the Beatles. He, I'm needed, about, he needed John to like balance them right, out. Right. And when, when and he, vice versa. Yeah. When he rocked out, it often sounded like fake rock. It was sort of like this kind of like plastic version of it. And I, I love a lot of his, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Paul McCartney solo, but mm-hmm. I, but I, I readily recognize that a lot of his rocking efforts in the seventies, they, they didn't feel like raw at all. They just felt 
I mean, Lennon, on the other hand, was doing this amazingly raw, rocking stuff. That, and a lot of it was not rocking, even. He was doing this no, really heavily yeah, emotional... Think, I think they had trouble without each other. Yeah, they're, right. It was like... Yeah, it just never quite but, chilled the same way. But I, but I think this is the kind of... Don't Lie to Me, I think, was what he was... Uh, he achieved only a couple of times, like with Helen Wheels and Junior's Farm, which uh, I think this song sounds a lot like Helen Wheels, actually, but I'm going to play a little bit. And this song actually uh, is a good point, time to point out that even Kiss was a fan of Big Star, and Paul Stanley was quoted as saying that uh, they were a big influence on his his idea of what a good pop song should be, a good rock song. Even the solo, I think, sounds like a McCartney and Wings it does rocker. That, yeah. um, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna jump to play Helen Wheels just for comparison, and that's Helen, as in like Helen Reddy, in case anybody ever thought Helen Wheels. But. Of course, he's not screeching, but he, but the, the like music, song much better. the musical accompaniment sounds very similar, especially when the solos start coming in. So now that sounds like a big star right there. That singing. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, I find a lot of comparisons here, and, and and I don't think Big Star was taken from them because I think this came out. I think Big Star's album came out before Helen Wheels mm-hmm. came out. But. Like that that lead guitar there has a very similar tone, but. Eric, you, you uh, obviously you said you haven't. Uh, you're somewhere in between our opinions. Did you have some other well, I was, high I was points? Just, I was just looking over my notes right here, and uh, there, there's there's a lot of nice acoustics in here. And in fact, um, that thirteen, that uh, acoustic in there, I tried to pick that up mm. just a night or oh, two ago. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, uh, it's doable. Yeah, At, but as I'm looking over my other notes right here, uh, some of the stuff that uh, Sarah was saying is kind of resonating here. Uh, I got dull. Cliche, <laughs> annoying oh, voice. Poor oh, Dave. Oh man. Yeah. Well, then again, you thought Talking Heads was dull. I mean, you're crazy when you first heard it. So. Well, when I first heard it, but I, you know, I, I did I listen know, to this a number of times. Also, uh, yeah, you know, I did too. It's not like I listened to. I mean, no, that's how I, I felt no, the fair. first time. I li- yeah. Like I started listening to this record, 
And I knew that they had a pedigree that was impressive and that they meant a lot to a lot of people musically. So yeah. I, w- I went into it being like, all right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is going to be a thing. This is going to be a big deal. Like, this is going to make an impression. And I started listening and I was like, all right, yeah, musically, like, this is competent. They are good singers. Like, they're playing instruments that I enjoy listening to. It is a style of music that I t- typically can, can like, I can recognize that there's a groove happening here. <laughs> But I just like I just was like no, this is. It sounds like the lyrics just, were a big problem for you. No, though. it's they're, the whole vibe of it feels yeah. just like it just feels old and dated. Wow! And like it doesn't like musically, it just it didn't grab me. Like it it didn't make me nod my head. It didn't make me tap my foot. <laughs> it didn't make me feel anything other than like I don't think I like this. Hmm. And then I listened to it more, and then I was like, no, I know I really don't like this. And then I listened to it yeah, more, and I was yeah. just like. A lot of head shaking, a lot of like disbelief. Yeah, well, not everybody likes everything. So this is true. It's, uh, you know, this is true. No matter how good a band is, I mean. And it made me yeah. think about the nature of success and and like how something becomes popular or whatever. And I think there's levels of success. There's like acceptance by peers. There's acceptance by critics. There's acceptance by like fringe groups, and then there's accepted acceptance by mass. And these guys. You said it yourself. They don't have mass success. And I know that the fans of their music who tend to be critics, other musicians and music nerds have a lot of background information about distribution and record companies and DJs and on and on and on. And yes, technically those things are all correct. But I don't think that's why people like them. But if they actually, like, if they were really that, if they were as good as the Beatles, shit would have gotten out there. I never said they were as good as the Beatles. I I said that album ranks for me is part of it, I think, is the the hindsight of hearing the music 40-something years later. Mm. And I think at the time, you know, I know, obviously, there were a lot of other great albums coming out at that time, Mm -hmm. certainly. But they were not sounding like anybody else at the time. They Today, they sound like a lot of other bands because a lot of other bands have been influenced either directly or indirectly by them. Yeah. And um, a lot of bad bands have come along that, that were also influenced by them. Like there's this whole crop of 90s lame bands like Gin Blossoms. And, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Rembrandts who sang the... Friends theme song, all these other things. And they were definitely in this lineage, but it's like this watered-down version of what's good about these guys. Hmm. That, that'd um, be really uh, watered-down. Oh. So they, uh, <laughs> you're just saying this because Sarah was so vehemently... I don't know. Eric is a man I, in his own mind. That's true, I guess. You know? But uh, anyway, well... It, but actually, getting to just like uh, I am a person of influences. My own mind. You I don't think this because I didn't listen to it in <laughs> enough times. I think it because this is my reaction. No, you know, I, well, it, it. I really wanted to like it. Me too. I wanted you know, to like it too. Dave, Dave hyped it up, and he's like, "Wow, these I, are like I did not hype it." No, no, no. I, I, to me, to me, I said I loved it. I don't think uh, I hyped it up by and, saying and, like and, how much I loved it or how great it was well, compared to anything else. I knew it was clear to me that you were very fond of this album. I am, and so so is it in your top ten? Of all time, yeah, no, third third best or something like that. Didn't you say that a little while ago? What? No, I didn't say it was third best. No, it's certainly. I, I don't. I can't number the albums because there's so many great albums that I I love. But uh, you don't have a top ten. There's no mm. way I could 
I totally have a top I can 10. Nev- I, if I, no, I just can't. It changes, like a it, couple of them change occasionally. Yeah, uh, but that's the thing. But I think, I think. I'll I be listening to it and I'll say, oh, this is just one of the best albums ever. But then I think about all the other albums that are just about the best albums ever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's got to be more antenna out there for, in my mind. But mm-hmm. the Beatles would take up at least half the songs, you know, if I really mm-hmm. was going to try to do it off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. um, you know that Abbey Road is charting right now. Well, because it just got oh, they did they did a fiftieth anniversary reissue, hmm. and it's, it's charting. It's it like Billboard charting right now again. Yeah, fifty years I, after I, I, it I came wasn't out. aware of that, but it, I'm yeah. not surprised. I, it's, it's amazing. You just said I, I just bought it. It's a they it's remastered. A it's remastered by Giles Smith, who's the son of oh, Giles Martin, the son of George Martin, the original mm-hmm. Beatles producer, and he's obviously learned a lot from his dad, and he's a really good engineer. He's he's remastered most of their albums. I think I think he's been going through. He also did the he put together the the soundtrack for the Love Show the in Las Vegas. You know the Circus Beatles, Soleil. Yeah. Beatles Circus he did the Soleil whole he show. he did the remixes of all those and which is very masterful. I don't ever listen to it, but uh, <laughs> amazing blending of the songs. Um, so I was listening to the Abbey Road remaster. Uh, a week or two ago with headphones and it just was blowing me away. It's just like, mm. like you hear, I, you're, you're hearing things that just did not show up in the original. Mm. And I have to admit at one point, the beginning of side two early on, right around the time of a uh, sun King, mm-hmm. I, I was actually crying. I was, I had tears. <laughs> it was so it's beautiful. A, it's no, a beautiful it album. was, I mean, hearing, you know, those, how those harmonies just break into Sun King all mm. of a sudden. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like the sun coming out from behind the clouds. Oh my god, it's, it's it was just, you know, it's always yeah. been one of my favorite moments of that. But just like hearing it so sharp and right there in your headphones, it was just <laughs> Plus was I just, think Oh Darling is one of the greatest songs ever that's a great, in existence yeah, yeah. in history. Uh so and then hearing I don't know, there was all these little features that, you know, you just don't pick up on the like the vinyl version or whatever else and, and mm. half time you're not listening with headphones, but it's it's amazing, and it has nothing to do with Big Star. But anyway, so um, uh, I did want to say a couple more things about these guys. The Ballad of El Goodo has always been a favorite of mine. Um, I thought that sounded like a uh, a TV station sitcom theme. Let's, let's, it let's sounds like a Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Oh, yeah. No, the, it does not. There is one. <laughs> no, actually, it was funny. There's one song that did sound like that. What was it? Years ago, my heart was set to live. Oh, and I've been trying hard against unbelievable odds. It's so hard in times like now to hold. Just a beautiful song. I think I feel like you're right. I feel like so much music sounds like this. This ends up sounding like like a cheap wine version of other things. Well, right. And oh, yeah, I guess I never really finished that point. It was just that, I, yeah, I, I think it, it's impossible to hear things now that you aren't mm-hmm. in, in the context of everything else that's happened since musically. Mm. And really, I mean, there are people who don't appreciate the Beatles for that very reason. They think, oh, it's, you know, 
that which is stupid. But um. well, but but then again, you know, like I think though that like okay, this is subjective, so we know that art is subjective and right. listening is subjective, and people, you know, it's just a personal reaction. And like my vehement dislike of this has nothing to do with my opinion of you or your no. li- opinions of music. <laughs> You know, because I would never be this vehement if it was like personal to you. I just want to say that. Well, thank you. Um, I was no, going to give you a hug before we got to this record. <laughs> you knew it was going to upset kept me. It, I kept this to myself, too, because we kept seeing each other at work, and I just was like, hmm. Nope. Well, for those of you who can't see us, there have been tears running down my cheeks the entire time we've been talking. I've been so hurt. Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, no, but uh, what, I, what I was going to say, though, is that, okay, I think that's real. But also, I mean, I tend to think that if the original thing that sparked all the other stuff is that good, it shouldn't have it to transcends be. time and it transcends all of the things that came after it. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I, but I was also saying it in the terms of like, I think you mentioned about not seeing why it was so such a big deal. You knew it, you knew it was a big deal, but it wasn't really coming across to you like that, you know, it seemed cliched and everything. And I, I think just, there's, a, there's a, there's a male voice in this too, that just like makes my skin crawl. You're talking about the lyrics here again. You're, yeah. 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 The lyrics and just the whole, I don't know why. Cause you know, I can listen to the Eagles and I don't get that Ugh. vibe. I, I listen to the Beatles. I don't get that vibe. I listen to plenty of bands that are all dudes, but for some reason, maybe it's because there's such a plaintive, emotional kind of tone Mm -hmm. to the way they're singing that I hear that. And part of me feels like, Oh, I should be reacting a certain way because they're saying this. So like kind of like pleadingly. mm -hmm. And then I hear the words and then I'm like, you don't, you're not expressing anything real. You're just using, it's just your fucking ego, man. You're not like feeling a thing and wanting something from another person. All you want from them is an audience. So you, you make it sound like they're like trying to manipulate the listener into feeling a certain way. But I, I, I think definitely others, do not well, I think, think that, they that had that much which, of a conscious. Which is the, the I'm sorry song, the one that starts out, oh, give me another yeah. chance. Ugh. That song, the lyrics of that song to me. <laughs> this song makes me feel like it's a boyfriend who just smacked me and is the next day and he's like no baby i'm really sorry well, i'd never can, do it can again can i point out one thing here you're you're treating this very much at face value like this is him he and, and yet you in other songs you'll give the singer performer the the credit that he's singing well, from a, a character's them, yeah but a lot of them don't sing this i guess what i'm saying is like he's singing in a very raw very raw right open sounding way which is very vulnerable but then i'm i find that the lyrics don't match that vulnerability Hmm. i i again i i'm not trying to make excuses for him because i don't agree with you about the lyrics anyway but uh i think they're he he was a young man a very very young man when he wrote most of the stuff like probably wrote it when he was 20 and You know, a it lot does, of people it sounds don't, like that. And it, it sounds, sounds like, like yeah. an eighteen-year-old boy, like, right? Just, and but at the same time, for a twenty-year-old to be writing music like this, the music accompaniment—I'm just talking about the music part of it—is mm. stunning. I, I think if you found a twenty-year-old right now who writes songs like this, I'd sign him in the in, in an instant. I mean, like, I <laughs> with mean, all of your record with all company of my power. Record, that's right. Dude. You can't see him, but he's got a really badass <laughs> suit on. And I give him a really bad contract. I would take yeah, I take money. all of their money. I take all the money. <laughs> 
No, I mean, this is, it's, you can't take it for granted. That was that in the days before they could, you know, before it was illegal to take a piece of their house and a piece of their, I own I mean, their car. You, it's, it's too easy to take it for granted that he's writing music. Like, I, I mean, it's easy to take it for granted. I, like, I listen to music in a really, like, I try, you know, it makes a real deep impression on me emotionally. But this, this whole record, like, there's a sour note in it. And I mean, Eric didn't believe it either. You, you should, you should, sometime when you're, what you're not going to ever tell listen. me, I should what? No, I would just suggest uh, at some point listening to. Did you listen to any of their other stuff? No. No. Uh, listen to Big Stars. <laughs> Why would she do that? No, Big Stars third album is like a different band altogether, and it's really. <laughs> listen to this the requisite number of times <laughs> big big stars third is just chilton like completely losing his mind literally like practically mm. breaking down and it's the like weirdest uh, you i think you actually would it yeah. sounds nothing like my this. favorite musician is tom waits so um, i like it weird yeah um Ooh, yeah. yeah well he's he's on air if, if you can indulge me for a moment, I just want to play. So did you listen to, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But. You know, I, yes, it's impressive if an 18-year-old or even a 12-year-old can, can write music like this, but I can be impressed with their music ability. I don't necessarily have to like the music. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, and I can say I get that this is well-written, well-performed music. Like I said, when I listen to it, like, yes, I recognize that this is well done, but... Um. And I love, love all of the reviews of this. What's this? Uh, this was from this from Big Star's third. Yeah. Well, because I'm, I'm trying to find a song oh. that you... <laughs> this is a really weird song called Jesus Christ. I like the piano. awesome these lyrics are so much better than that than number one record okay now we're getting into christmas music now yeah right. it's almost like christmas now. um okay i'm just trying to i don't like those bells I'm trying to find some. You know what else I think bugs me is that there's like emotion behind this and vulnerability, but there's there seems to be no modicum of like self-deprecation or like I just feel like they're taking themselves so seriously. Hmm. There's no sense of like you know the human condition is ultimately ridiculous. Like. However, we feel so deeply about things. What what does it even mean, and what does it matter? Because you can get hit by a bus in an instant. Horrible things happen to people for no deserved reason, you know. So like, that's funny, I guess. In the end, and I feel like this whole record is so like we feel these things, but there's no sense that like 
of lightness to it. It's just like so heavy and 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 feelingy in that way that an 18-year-old boy is like, oh, angst. Shut up, mom. You don't ever <laughs> understand me. I gotta go to my room alone. Go. Because you know what? After a couple of years, you're gonna grow up and you won't voice this shit on us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And that was Sarah doing, <laughs> just doing her over, new radio play. Just talking of, over their song. I mean, whiny teenage boys. Yeah, man. We um, were all whiny when we were teenagers, right? So It's ridiculous. Like writing in our diaries. Um, he understands me. <laughs> I have to play September Girls just because sure. it's one of the greatest songs ever recorded. <laughs> Uh, so it's actually from their second album, uh, Radio City. Oh, by the way, I should, you probably read this, uh, Big Star, they took their name from a supermarket chain down there and it was sort of ironic too, because, you know, nobody knew who they were. And the number one record I think was sort of an extension of the, that line of thinking. And, and I think Jody Stevens, their bass player, uh, has said that he's pretty sure they jinxed themselves by naming it that. See, it's another, just a whole nother, like, yeah, okay. made Whatever. by music fans for music fans. Okay. So they could all sit together in a room and be like, did you know? Did so, you know? so here's <laughs> September Girls. <laughs> driving song to me. I can imagine the wind in my hair. And your convertible? Yeah. Sarah, I would just like to point out great rock music is full of sappy lyrics. Lyrics are not... There's plenty of music that you like that has bad lyrics. I mean... I am sure of it. The record state I gave him a death glare when he said that yes. to me. Plenty of records. You like the Eagles, right? Didn't you say that? I Eagles know are that it's ridiculous. not okay to like the Eagles. You I like Yacht Rock, which... Uh, well, ironically. Yeah. Okay, whatever. So I like you Rosanna say, by Toto. That song oh rules. Oh my God. That song rules. Oh my God. That song rules. That song is the worst song ever. It's so much better than this whole record. Holy for the record, oh, I have, Jesus. I have listened to Rosanna riding my motorcycle and been so pumped. Okay, for the record, I want, to, I want everybody to understand that Sarah has just said Rosanna by Toto is better than Big Star. And I, yes, I have, I, I, and I will you've stand lost by it. Your Come music at me. Cred. Come at me. <laughs> All of you. Um, I don't, I'm not on Twitter, so you can't. <laughs> okay, I want to see win. what you think about this song. Oh, okay. One more song. Very short. Could feel this love. 
course you didn't know you could feel that way. Because you're only 22 now. And you just you didn't know anything about feelings. wind the word love. You know what? You don't deserve to hear the rest of this. I mean, it's a pretty song. It's a pretty song. He's a good songwriter. He's a good singer. You know, like, I can't deny that. I'm just he's whining. You don't get to hear it. Thank okay, you. so thank um, you. Everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you mentioned uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. There is one song in here I think is very Crosby, Stills, and Nashish. 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 I think their biggest influences are the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, and the Kings. They're pretty much the four big British invasion bands. It's so original of them. I think they were influenced by them, and because they loved the music, like any smart person would have done at the time. And uh, he was quoted as saying that he wanted to, he was, he was kind of dismayed, Alex Shelton was dismayed with where like the psychedelic thing had taken rock in the late seventies, like just long drawn out journey things. And he wanted big star to be like a band that would fit right into like the 64 to 66 era of the Beatles at their, you know, Beatlemania peak, that whole short, Sweet, poppy, great pop rock. So that was that was what they were aiming for. And I don't think their music is poppy though. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's your answer. <laughs> yes. You don't have anything. To that's, back my, it up? that's my. That's my. That's my. Yeah, it is. The songs are longer. Like no, it's, the, it's the the instrumentation. There's like more of it. I don't know. It's it doesn't sound poppy to me. The well, beat is different. I, I think their harmonies and their melodies all fit into that. That what like the Hollies were doing and the the, mm. the Kinks and the Beatles and so I'm just gonna play Watch the Sunrise, which is the Crosby Stills and Nash influence. Well, I don't know if it's really influenced, but it sounds to me definitely as a it's a very sort of quasi religious sort of song. He never mentions it, but has a very spiritual take on waking up to a new a new life. A little Joni Mitchell-ish too in that guitar. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I 
hate that line about the day will abide. The dude will abide. That I'm okay with. It's Jeff Bridges (laughs) drinking white Russians in a Coen Brothers movie. That's great. The the abide somehow. The day will abide. (laughs) Yeah. Name name one other rock song or any song that uses the word abide. For a good reason. (laughs) You shouldn't. You probably shouldn't use the word abide in a rock song. That's all I'm saying. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue at that point. But right, you can't. <laughs> no arguing to be had. Okay. Um, anyway, there's one other. Well, I, I could just go through all the songs and tell you how much I love them, but maybe I've done that enough because apparently I'm not making much of an impression on you. Anyway, you, I don't know. <laughs> Pointing to her. <laughs> Well, I just want to say you guys are wrong, and <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Um, and and history will bear you. I think you're wrong. Oh, no. oh, you're right. History will bear who's right because they've no, sold a million no. records. Oh, They'll wait, they haven't. Bear and me everybody out. knows who they are. Oh, wait, they don't. And they have a million hits. Oh, wait, they don't. So history will bear out. So the so this, so popularity is a, is equivalent to quality, huh? No, huh? not is necessarily. That what you're saying? Not necessarily. Of course it's not. But the Beatles are hella popular <laughs> and you love the Beatles. They are one of the great exceptions to the rule. Mm. Very few super popular acts that I would say are truly great music. But My conclusion is that Big Star is a band for musicians and music nerds. And that, like, the general people, I don't know. Well, so be it. <laughs> <laughs> 